Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, young world. It's your favorite Ethiopian, Sue Solo. This is the kid, Ferrari Simmons. Hey, yo, what up, podcasters? It's the one and only OCT from the Baller Alert Show. That's why it's all produced by me. And we, we own and entertainment news, baller mail, comment creeping, celebrity guest hosts, and more. We got nothing but big vibes on the Baller Alert Show podcast. Big vibes with me, Ferrari Simmons. Me, Sue Solo. And me, OCT. Check us out on the Baller Alert Show podcast today. Available on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Open your hearts, loosen your wallets. <laughs> it's time for couples therapy. Yeah. This podcast is Andy and Naomi's, where they can both laugh and hang with all their homies, talking excellent vacationing with brunches and cuddling, to messy situationships and conscious and coupling, from Netflix hookups to single them with some Hulu, text sex, regrets, or feeling on your new jubu. They gon' talk about it, ah, yeah, you are invited, ah, needing therapy, I guarantee, baby, we got it. It's Hello, everyone, and welcome to Couples Therapy. I am Naomi. I am Andy. We are a real-life couple, a real-life couple of comedians, and on the show, we bring you the best sets from our live show, Couples Therapy, where we have comics who are close to sets together about the relationship, though today, something brand new, Naomi. This is a bonus app, babies. You know, we try um, on the show to create a safe space for you to escape the hell we're all living through, <laughs> but uh, something so good has shown through the fires of this hell yeah. that I thought we should talk to this person. Uh, they are the the light is dampening the hellfire. This light, <laughs> this metaphor. I'm, I yeah, have, problems, not, I have light, problems with metaphors. Yes, the light isn't dampening. Okay, uh, the light is giving us a path through the darkness yes, of our current thank landscape. Thank you, thank you, thank yes. you, thank you. So today we're doing something a little different, Naomi. Who is our guest? We are talking to Nithya Raman, who is, tell us more, Andy. She's running for city council here in Los Angeles. Now, city council uh, ha- is particularly powerful here. Yes. Right? I think they are maybe more powerful than the mayor. I'm not 100% <laughs> sure about that. But she was the executive director of the Time's Up organization. She founded SELA, which is a homeless initiative here in Los Angeles. And uh, in general, she is a good human being. Yes. She's also an urban planner. Yes. The woman got her degree in urban planning from MIT. What are you telling me? <laughs> she knows what's up and she cares about this city. Just talking to her, there is like hope and joy and excitement there. And, you know, I haven't known those emotions since 1985. So it was so beautiful to hear. Since the uh, <laughs> since the Iran-Contra hearings? Yes, since Iran-Contra. <laughs> like, Maybe this will take down Reagan finally. <laughs> As a one-year-old. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. You know, I was really curious also about the process of, you know, she was not a politician when she made this decision. Yes. And uh, I was really curious about, you know, wh- what was it about this moment that made you want to run for city council? Yes. What is it? Uh, you know, we talk about her platform a lot about, you know, one of the big things in Los Angeles. Naomi, as you've heard on the show before, Naomi and I are having – are struggling to enjoy – um life here in Los Angeles. And I want to talk to someone who is dedicated herself to making the city better. And how can we possibly make the city better as well? 
Nithya has a plan for that. Okay, in a way, she knows what's up. She is ready to get this done. And so, you guys, if you are so inclined after hearing what Nithya has to say and maybe going to her website, Nithya for the City, N I T H Y A for the City.com, you can donate to her campaign. You can read more information if you're in LA and you want to get out in Canvas between now and March 3rd, which yeah. is the day you vote. Nithya, you know, is running for City Council in District 4. Um, and so that's the cool district, cool because we also like, kind of live in that district. But <laughs> whatever. Um, so you guys, just you know, again, we we don't normally get in a political space, but you know, we are trying to love our home, and we wanted to talk to someone who did. And Nithya's like fun and cool, so that was good for us. <laughs> By the way, if uh, if you do live here in Los Angeles and you want to come to our next live show, it is the seventh of March on uh, a Saturday. 8 p.m. at the Virgil. At the Virgil. Uh, Great lineup. Uh, Danielle Schneider and Matt Besser, Patty Harrison. Paul Downs and Lucian Yellow, Rosebud Baker and Andy Haynes. As you know, we like to put together a fun time. So if you are into that, go to CouplesTherapyPod.com and buy tickets. But until then, listen to Nithya. Roll it. Nithya. How are you doing today? Where are you at emotionally? Yeah, where are you in your heart? We like to start out with that question. Yeah. Oh gosh. That's a good that's a standard question <laughs> politicians get, right? Where are you in your heart? Where am I in my heart? Can I get cheesy with you guys you for must. a moment? Sure. You must. So we have over a hundred people signed up to Canvas for the campaign this weekend. Yeah. We had a hundred people last weekend. We had a hundred people the weekend before. This is I think, I mean, I've been observing city council campaigns in L.A. for a long time. This is unprecedented Mm. in L.A. And people just keep coming out to support the message of the campaign. It's so much bigger than me. It's so much bigger than the team. It's so much bigger than, you know, anything that we – we thought it would be, I think. Mm -hmm. And and we hoped it would be like this, you know. And it's just – I just – there's a lot of bad stuff that happens. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a lot of things don't go our way. But on the whole, like, I wake up every morning just feeling this incredible rush of gratitude, just that I get to be able to do this and I get to be able to say the things I say and to be out there saying them. Like, what a gift. Yeah. So you very generally... Che- very cheesy. <laughs> no, it, it, it's not. But uh, it is interesting because the, the you have not taken been overtaken by the sociopathy of <laughs> the political system in any way. Um, So that's funny that you should ask because (laughs) when I first started, my husband was like, oh, man, every politician like loves being a politician because they're the center of everyone's attention for so long. And I was like, I'll never be like that. I hate this. (laughs) I don't want my name on things. I don't want my face on things. And then like yesterday – I was just thinking about the last couple of weeks and we had this big comedy show and all these people came out for the campaign and they're like lifting my message on – social media and people are voting for me because their ballots are out and they're like putting their ballots out and like, you know, showing that they voted for me and getting Mm -hmm. so excited and people are stepping up. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I kind of like this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he was like, I told you. You know, once this is, I'm going to miss it. (laughs) Well, there is, but there is, there's a line there. So I feel like we still have retained in the entertainment industry, uh, Naomi and I have retained our humanity at the moment. Who yeah. knows? Who knows what will happen in the future? <laughs> we could become psychopaths, but at the Fingers moment, crossed. It, we don't have so. attention. Hey, if there's a big enough paycheck <laughs> attached I to think, it, I think. I think we let's all hope for the opportunity to become sociopaths. Right. 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 That's what we. That's success for us. Yeah. I want to be. Te- I kind <laughs> or, of or, or to and then to yeah. reject it. because yeah, yeah, yeah. right. we're better than that. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there is. I mean, it's the same thing as like, I don't know, uh, people liking one of Naomi's specials or so like. YouTube making comments on YouTube or something. There's a analogy, let's say, between those those kinds yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that can be that it can get in your head. It can. Well, turn I don't even different. look at those kinds of things. I mean, this it can be tricky. Like, you know, there is some performance to political the political process, but at the same, but the tricky thing is too, you have to hear what people are saying. About yeah. You, right. Like yeah. that's the work. Um, and I can imagine being open to that. You're getting the good and the bad in equal measure, which can make you a little, meaning like it's all going to come in kind of whether you yeah. like it or not. Yeah, that's true. That it's like, you know, if whereas me, I just will not look. Uh-huh. And so I don't even know like if someone's saying anything good or bad. I just know don't even look because once you scroll down too far, right. it's going to get dark. Right. And so whereas, you oh, know. Well, well, here, I mean, here's a question. Uh, being politically left, how, like you don't have control of the 
corporate media narrative at all. No. You just kind of have to deal with how they paint you. Yeah. How do you how do you <laughs> deal with that? Well, so far, honestly, what I want is for the corporate media to pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like what they do is they're so invested in a particular understanding of L.A. politics. And, and first of all, there is not that much corporate media here, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's like two City Hall reporters at the L.A. Times that are covering – a number of races, plus everything else going on at City Hall right now, the amount of time given by any reporter to this race is so limited. I feel like what I want, I'm I'm out here, I'm like, do you see this campaign? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, do you see what's happening here? This is different. This is palpably different from anything else that has happened that I know about in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Yeah. I know my, my view, of course, is limited. So maybe I'm missing other things that have, you know, that are outside of this. But like this feels so different to me. There's an energy, there's a there's an excitement, there's an idealism to it mm-hmm. that I don't see in LA city politics. I mean, it is so I feel like the corporate media here is so invested in the lack of idealism, in the mm-hmm. in the kind of yeah, like this is what you expect from politicians yeah. that their expectations are so low. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like the guy I'm running against is 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 he's supposedly a campaign finance reform guy, and he's raised over a million dollars for this race, mostly from people who want favors from the city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, and his literally his biggest issue is campaign finance reform. Has he taken money from like real estate people? So many real estate people. <laughs> the LA Times did an article about it, and that he had to give a bunch of it back. <laughs> And then his first seven donors, I think, for the campaign, if I'm not mistaken, were people from Live Nation, like mm-hmm. employees of Live Nation. And then the next four were employees of this company called Naderlander. And they're both companies that are uh, vying for a contract for the Greek theater, which is in the district. Oh, right. Like it, literally his entire donor rolls is a list of influence that he can peddle. Yes. You know, it's yes. like incredible. And there is just this acceptance of – the narrative around the fact that he's like a campaign, you know, this like campaign, that campaign finance reform is his thing. And it's just unquestioning by the corporate media. And I feel like it's because they have such low expectations of their politicians. They have such low expectations. Yeah, well, they're cynical. But, they come from the same like pool of people. Right. And they, because they're cynical, they project. I mean, I, I talk about this in therapy all the time because I'm <laughs> trying to figure out these people from afar. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, Oh, they're constantly projecting their own psychology onto other people. Um, I don't, I don't want to say his name, but we all know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think because they are cynical themselves, they just they project. They can't imagine a world outside of their own mm-hmm. um, right worldview. No, no, no. But it's like when you when you do dirty, you assume everybody else does too. Yeah, that is what it is. Right. Like literally, like it's a sick way of putting it. Yeah. When you like, of course, if you operate as if is you if you operate as a scammer or a hustler or a manipulator of any kind, you justify that by saying, "Well, that's happening to me, and that's happening all around us." So I'm just doing what needs to be done. Right. Exactly. Or that you assume that you read everyone else's actions according to those same, right? right? And the idea that somebody would come forward who is driven by values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that values can unite people. Yeah. And that people are excited about values. That, I don't know, it it, it not only does not compute in L.A., but it, clearly it anyway. is not <laughs> I mean, how did you escape this? You went to Harvard, you went to MIT, you went to these elite institutions that – also churn out these cynical people. How did you escape falling into that? Huh. Uh, that's a great question. You know, I left the country after college. I went to India, and I worked in India for many years. Mm-hmm. I worked in India for almost a decade, including before and after my master's. And I feel like the people I worked with there were all really driven by their political ideals mm-hmm. and their visions for a better society. And I just kind of absorbed their values. Like, I, d- I didn't get a consulting job afterwards, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's, yeah. let's put it that you way. You didn't submit your resume to McKinsey. And- <laughs> <laughs> the looks. The looks. I, I only interviewed for consulting jobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, but you could have easily – like, you could have easily fallen. Into- and I, I do think it's it, – um, 
it's difficult when you are confronted with like money and power to say to say, well, no, I think there is a better world we could build. Absolutely. And I think, honestly, I wish I look back on my college years and I wish that I had been braver. I wish that I had had the voice that I feel like I did. It took me so long to get to a place where I can – I feel like at least now I can speak with some authority on these things. Mm. But then I was very shy. I, did, I went to a public high school outside of Boston and, it, you know, I had, a, I had a good education. But I did not come into college with, like, you know, the confidence of having gone to a private school or whatever. Yeah. Honey, yeah. honey, no, if you was a brown girl at a private school, you wouldn't have come in with confidence that, either. You know, okay, I'll tell you that yeah. right now. <laughs> you know, well, that's, yeah, fair, fair point. Fair find point. it over time. It took me a long time. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm almost 40 now, you know, yeah. and it took me a long time to even say like, oh, maybe I could step up and run for office. Like, yeah. I would never have been able to do that in my 20s. There's mm-hmm. no way. Yeah, like, I just feel like if I had had confidence, if I had had courage, I would have spoken out against all the people who were like, I don't know. Like, oh, yes, there are, you know, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and, like, we must invade. And I was like, okay, maybe they're making some good <laughs> points. You know? I, I just, you know, I didn't know any better. Right. And I and I, belie- I was so bought into that system. But then I left the country and then it was like, you know, I just felt like I had this whole revelation about how the world was organized and how you could actually live a different way and believe in a different set of values. And I really, you know, I had the benefit of that. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was the same kind of the same way, but I just, I didn't, I, I couldn't see outside of whatever the ideology was of the, of the main culture. Right. I remember in, I had a poli sci class in college and the professor was arguing against, Against the estate tax, he was trying to say, "Well, uh, and he didn't say he was a, um, a far right Republican." I had to find that out years later when I un- when I understood what that meant what, for someone to argue against the estate tax and say, "We don't need." It. And he said, "Like to all of you guys, by the time you will be adults, you'll be millionaires, and you won't want this." I went to University of Pittsburgh, by the way, which is a state school, so I don't know what he's talking about, but. He, yeah. he was an optimist. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. But I also think it's like when you say that feeling of what, you know, maybe didn't feel possible in your 20s. I also think it feels like now there is a visible coalition of people so that you do feel when you speak out, at least you ain't crazy. Because I think that I always had, you know, being black and growing up in predominantly white spaces and wealthy white spaces. I was like, oh, no, this ain't right. Or like I remember being like, I don't understand I remember coming home in like sixth grade being like, if black people are supposed to be less than white people, how come they let us take care of their kids? You know what I mean? Because like when I went to school, everybody had a black nanny. Wow. And I remember saying at 11, I was like, this don't add the fuck up. But it was like, there was nobody for me to talk to about that and unpack until, you know, we did get older. And then there also started to be more of a conversation around this stuff. And that is like what I feel like lets it happen now. Because I think it's hard to feel like, the values you have matter if no one's going to get on board with them. Yeah. And now at least it feels like, okay, when you see, you know, when you get a hundred people canvassing, it's like, not only is it, you know, so exciting, you know, and you're popular, um, but it's also so, proving. Uh, hold on. I just want to, I'm popular. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, I love it. Literally. But no, it's also, is, uh, it uh, wait, if I can uh, yes. parentheses, honestly, uh, there are few people when, we saw you in the studio last week. Uh, there are a few people I feel shy around. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's like, oh, someone who ha- who is like standing up for their ideals um, and for values I believe in in a public way. Like that's one of the things where I start to feel like I, I get nervous around those <laughs> kinds totally of people. He totally did a whisper. Like when you were out there and he goes, I think that's Nithya. And he was like, oh, it's weird. I was like, oh, my God, is it? So that's why I came up to you very bold, because that's how I make a path for Andrew to come in. You know, I just go, hey. And then he comes in and is like, hello. I mean, I'm honestly, I might cry. (laughs) I mean, yeah, sorry. That was just a parenthetical in what you were saying. No, no, no. I just think it's part of having this coalition now and having younger, younger people, period, getting involved in politics. Uh, brown folks getting involved in politics and then to see all the support makes you feel like, okay, I can stand in this and say this to people and know that someone will have my back. Because it is so hard to feel like, okay, I know this ain't right, but what can I do? Yeah. You know? And that has always been the frustration I've had around some of it. Or especially that feeling sometimes where I'll be like, 
I'm already brown and trying to live. Aren't I doing enough? <laughs> you know, but it's like in a way that keep my, that makes my work very small, right? When there are things that could be happening on a no larger way. scale. Right. And so, as you said, where you're like, I would have never thought of running for office. And then you were like, no, I got to do this yeah. about this. What was that? Um, what was that come to Jesus moment when you were like, I got to do this as opposed to just think about it or talk about it? Well, there's the specifics of the situation. So I, I was, you know, I was working at Time's Up. I was heading up a big division of Time's Up that was working on changing entertainment industry workplaces uh, and trying to, you know, make sure workers weren't sexually harassed and trying to make sure that there was gender equity. But on my nights and weekends, I was doing all this homelessness volunteering work in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I helped start this homeless coalition called SELA. And it was a bunch of volunteers. And we got to know people experiencing homelessness in our neighborhood. And we saw the barriers that they were facing in trying to get out of homelessness. And so we essentially saw a need. We went to the city and asked the city to fill the need for these particular services locally. They essentially ignored us. We didn't even get a meeting with our city council members because um, there, there are multiple that serve that area. And then we essentially put that put a resource center together ourselves. So mm -hmm. we had showers. We have a case manager that comes in. We rent a oh, van. We drive yeah. around and pick up people from different encampments, bring them to the shower, make sure they're able to talk to a case manager. And it's only through that repeated interaction with a case manager that they're able to really start their journeys off of the streets and right. make sure that they're getting their paperwork, make sure that they're getting into treatment. Whatever they need to be doing, they're able to do that. And right now in LA, we don't have a system that's set up where yes. people are regularly talking to the same individuals and building those relationships of trust and building that, you know, going through that process. And so we did it ourselves in our spare time, nights and weekends. And I just started to think to myself, like, if my elected representative felt any of this urgency, Mm -hmm. we would just have a completely different system here in yes. L.A., right? Completely different. And it's not just related to homelessness. It's about our entire, you know, our housing costs are yes. rising like crazy. And it is absolutely transforming L.A. It is making it into a place where only the richest people can live here. And we're not doing anything about it. And we can. Mm -hmm. You know, I know this city. I know the power that the city council has. And it's an incredible amount of power. And they are choosing not to use it. And what? that is frustrating. <laughs> I mean, well, this is, you know, this, I agree with you. And part of why we wanted to talk to you is because as our listeners will know, Andrew and I have struggled with uh, accepting LA in our hearts <laughs> as people who moved from New York two so and a half years ago. Kind way of putting it. Well, I'm trying, but, but to talk about, I mean, what, what were you going to say? Cause I'm just like, cause well, I, I was going to say, why don't we take a break first and then okay. we'll come back and we'll talk about this. Cause I think this is a, a longer subject. Than okay. Okay. I'm on edge. Okay. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Bobby Bones. I host The Bobby Bones Show, and I'm pretty much always sleepy because I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. A couple hours later, I get all my friends together, and we get into a room, and we do a radio show. We share our lives, we tell our stories, we try to find as much good in the world as we possibly can, and we look through the news of the day that you'll care about. Also, your favorite country artists are always stopping by to hang out and share their lives and music, too. So wake up with a bunch of my friends on Big 104.7 in Pittsburgh or wherever the road takes you on the iHeartRadio app. We're right back. And so, yeah, so the, the we are um, uh, to be, we started this year an LAHR, okay? Every it's a good time, thing, don't worry about it, it's a good thing. Don't every worry. time we badmouth Los Angeles, we have to put a dollar in the jar, and at the end of the year, we're going to donate it to a homeless initiative. Right. Um, or a couple, because uh, the listeners have sent us a number of suggestions. And also, it's bo let's, let's be honest. It's boring for us to keep talking about how what we don't like about right, Los Angeles. Right, right. you so got to break partly, the habit. Yeah. It's partly to make us more interesting people to <laughs> be in conversation. Well, with. I think you're both very interesting. Oh, that's very you're nice of you. so much. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're turning on the charm here, so. <laughs> it's working. Uh, uh, but uh, New York has a number of – we came from New York. We, um, I think you mentioned that. Yes, Naomi. I did. Um, Before the break. They have a number of things that they do to help the homeless population there that L.A. doesn't do. 
that they could do, mm-hmm. right? And I'm curious as to what you think, you know, having done some of this work, the difference is, the only yeah. thing I can think of, and again, as a total layperson, it has to do with the sheer size of New York versus Los Angeles. You yeah. know what I mean? Like in terms of just how far reaching LA is and is it hard to Ooh. in some way centralize? I just, that's what I want to yeah. I want to know. Can I, can I put it like this? Because my knowledge of Los Angeles is mostly from Roger Rabbit. And what? <laughs> so at, uh, your, your advanced degree is in urban planning. Yeah. Uh, how did Los Angeles get this way? And then, in terms of our homelessness crisis, yeah, in terms okay, of our homelessness yeah, okay. crisis, and then what you know, what are you proposing? Come on, girl, come do? on, each one, teach one. Give me a moment. <laughs> I need so, to know. Uh, well, so I want to talk a little bit about you know, right now we have a situation where I feel like LA is defined by rising homelessness. Mm-hmm, right, yeah. there are encampments everywhere. There's yeah. tents everywhere on our street. Every time I walk Mabel at night, there are at the very least five. Homeless people living in their cars are living on the street right. on our single block alone. It's, yeah, yeah, it's staggering. It's yeah. absolutely staggering. And the thing is that L.A. has always had uh, a homeless population, but in years past, that population was confined and it was through a kind of a deliberate policy to a couple of different locations, primarily Skid Row. Mm-hmm. And then there were, you know, there was a population in Hollywood always, and then there was a population at the beaches. Mm-hmm. And because... The population was contained in these places and primarily just in one place. L.A. politicians were kind of able to ignore the issue, right? Mm-hmm. It never came up as a political issue. It never came up in elections. In fact, in this district, in the in the previous election, homelessness was almost never talked about. Even though five years ago when that election happened, there were already more than 20,000 people right. experiencing homelessness in L.A. It was already a, a huge number, way higher than – any city in the richest country in the world, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, should have living on the streets. So, but because it was, you know, cloistered in these places, the political establishment here has been able to ignore it for a really long time. And because city elections had very few people participating in them, mm-hmm. so before municipal elections had very low voter participation. Mm. Uh, and, you know, below, uh, often below 20%, sometimes even below that. Ooh. And even in mayoral elections, sometimes there's been very, very low voter turnout. And the people who participated in municipal elections were, for the most part, wealthier, single-family homeowners for whom addressing homelessness or addressing housing costs was not their primary concern. Mm -hmm. Their primary concern was things related to their own housing prices, like making sure that their home values stayed high or, you know, whatever, maybe street, you know, fixing my street and keeping my street clean or whatever whatever mm-hmm. their issues were. And so that's what politicians focused on, right? They didn't have an incentive to address a steadily increasing housing and homelessness crisis. They just didn't mm-hmm. have those incentives. And in fact, when they tried to address those issues, sometimes they faced political costs for them, right? So if you pushed for a shelter in your neighborhood, as you know, some of these council members have, they have faced real yes. pushback from residents, right. right? Yes, yes, yes. And so, and that's even now that yeah. even now they face that. If you, this is not about housing and homelessness, but for example, if you try and make it safer for people to ride their bicycles in LA, mm-hmm. and you try and take away some road space from cars, you get massive political pushback. <laughs> yeah. You know, so so I'm just you know yeah. so at, yeah. so there was real costs to quote unquote doing the right thing on these mm-hmm. issues, but from the NIMBY folks. Yeah, and just people who wanted to be able to, you know, people who felt like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm in my car and I'm now I have to spend an extra five minutes in my car, which like traffic is terrible here, you know, yeah. I get it. Um, or like they said, I don't want this shelter in my neighborhood or I don't want this affordable housing project in my neighborhood or whatever it is. They didn't want to get, they felt like they were getting singled out for stuff, you know, and so people got mad. And so, so I think people didn't do things that were in the interest of the greater good because they face political costs for it. But now we're at a moment here in LA, which is why I wanted to run, mm-hmm. where I think the political costs of not doing things are so yeah. much higher because the city is absolutely struggling. Yeah. And where so many more people are going to vote because the federal elections and the municipal elections are at the same time. So mm-hmm. I'm on the primary ballot, the, right. the, the Democratic primary ballot. And that's exciting. Yeah. That means, you know, potentially voter turnout in this election could double, could triple. Mm-hmm. And so we have a moment right here in Los Angeles where you could actually start making it 
possible for people who are in power to actually have political benefit for doing the right thing. If yeah. only you can get out there and convince people that the right thing is the right thing to do. You know what I mean? So sorry, that didn't quite answer your question about like why we are where we are, because I think the reason why we've had such incredibly high, uh, why, we, why we've had an increase in homelessness over the last few years, I think what I what I talked to you about right now was why they didn't take action on it, yeah. right? But, but now I also want to talk about why there's been such an increase over the last few years, because yes, there is some mental illness among the homeless population. Of course, there's addiction among the homeless population. But I don't think any of those issues are explanatory factors for the rise Uh in homelessness. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com And there's really only one explanatory factor that to me makes sense, which is our incredibly huge rise in housing costs, right? We've had a 65% increase in rents over the last decade in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. while incomes have gone up by less than half that. And that number is so much higher than the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. But other cities in California are facing those same kinds of rent increases. And so what happened is that people who were at the most vulnerable end of the housing market, people who you know, were able to stay in their homes despite the fact that they may have had personal crises of whatever kind. Um, Now, in such a tight housing market where a landlord is incentivized to kick you out and bring in someone who can pay a lot more, they're losing their homes, you know? can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Because this has been something that's uh, baffled me from living in New York for so long. And then here I see it too, where a landlord will raise the rent of a space to the point where the either the person or the business that is there can no longer afford to be there and they leave and then that storefront or that house just sits empty forever. Yeah. What is the strat yeah. what is the is that a conscious is that just a contradiction in commodifying housing and and um uh, commercial. commercial space in that way? Is that just a contradiction that doesn't make sense or is there an actual like do you do these business do these large um, real estate companies that do this, do they then get a tax break? And so it's a smart idea. Or why, like, why is it happening? Yeah. I, I guess. That's a good question, especially the commercial real estate yes. question, because there are so many vacant storefronts. Mm-hmm. Or you see places that just get taken over by like the same kind of business, like it all becomes Rite Aids and, yeah. Yeah. and banks, because they're the only ones who can afford to pay that you know, yeah. that kind of rent. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know the economics of that. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. Because to me, it's like you would want to fill those right. units and yeah. make sure that people are there. But maybe it is that if you can do such a big spike in rent increases, because I've heard from small business owners that have faced doubling or even tripling of their rents. Mm. And if you can get that kind of rent, even if your space is empty for a few months until you find uh, the right tenant, right. maybe it's not worth it for you to keep that lower, much lower paying tenant in there. If you can get a really high paying tenant, you got to just wait for a few months. Right. That's I, that's the only thing I can really yeah. – I don't know yeah. the, 
Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I don't. They don't get tax breaks though. I don't. No. Okay. So they, I mean, may, maybe maybe in terms of if you're like losing money, you can write it off, and you know. Yeah. But there's no like vacancy tax break. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, they're talking about doing a vacancy tax so that right. you like right. actually tax. Fill it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. there's just all these, especially in in our business, uh, there are these like canaries and coal mine in the coal mine that I've been seeing. Uh, uh, UCB had a, an East Village theater that they had to shut down. Uh, IO West, Meltdown, uh, which are these um, comedy venues here, had to shut down. Mm-hmm. And I'm like watching this stuff and I'm like from afar and I'm like, oh, that doesn't bode well for a certain level of business. And I'm like, why is that happening? Because mm-hmm. they were all viable businesses. Right. And then suddenly they're not. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, you see that happening too with nonprofits and art spaces, mm-hmm. all the spaces where culture happens, I think, you know, suddenly the math doesn't work anymore for them. Yeah. But how do you sort of, I think as you, you know, you're talking about getting people to come out and getting people to care and sort of in a place where, and I think this is a lot of places in the country, places where, you know, you travel in your car to and fro and you kind of just get to your spot. And so you can kind of literally gloss over, meaning mm. drive past, mm-hmm. at a, you know, at a fast mm-hmm. speed, the things that aren't pleasant. It's easy to say, well, okay, like my house is fine and I can go to Whole Foods, so it's all good. As you're kind of, as people are going out and, t- and you know, sh- spreading the message, you know, spreading your message and stuff, what is kind of the conversation around looking past your block? Why someone should care? Yes, and like what why, kind of yeah? Why a selfish person who lives in this city? I I mean the thing that gets me is even if you're in your car, you have to look out the window at the very at the very I least. Know. Let's say you don't. Let's say you do not care about other human beings. You would at least want the place you live to look nice, right? Yeah, or or to have your sidewalks be available to, to you walk, to, for, to, walk, for you to walk. To, yeah, for you to walk or for your kids to play in the park or whatever. There's lots of reasons I think why people would want, you know, people housed, yeah. you know, not living in that are not driven by compassion. Yeah. But I actually have like a I have like a real positive view of humans in general. Mm-hmm. You um, must you must to do this work. Yeah, yes. I think so. <laughs> and I really do think, and we saw that happen in the homeless coalition at Sela where there was obviously a growing number of people experiencing homelessness. There was a lot of community, not outrage, but just concern about, you know, about, oh, there's now people, you know, sleeping on the streets. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not, that's not great. I don't feel as safe anymore walking around. But ultimately, what we were able to do through SELA was to give people a place to take action that was positive and that Mm -hmm. was helpful and I think if you can give people an outlet to do that, nine times out of 10, they're going to take it. Because yeah. I think most people see what is happening on LA streets and their instinct is to respond with compassion. Mm-hmm. But if you're not given an outlet for that, then you move to other things. You move mm-hmm. to other emotions. And I feel like that's kind of what the campaign is doing on a larger scale, which is to say, what is happening now is a failure of the system Mm -hmm. and is a failure of your elected representatives. And right now, so many people who are living in their homes feel a lot of anger against people who are experiencing homelessness, right? They they are angry that they're on their streets. They're angry that they're, you know, there's there's a mess everywhere or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. that that there's needles, that they're ranting and raving, whatever it is. I hear all of it when I'm out. Mm -hmm. But when you talk to people and you say, well, there's 9,000 people sleeping in their cars. How many legal parking spots have we set aside for them in the city? In in the district where I'm running, zero. In the yeah. entire city, 280. For 9,000 people sleeping in their cars, that's not a failure of the people sleeping in their cars. That's a failure of our government to respond to need. Right. And when you can reshape their thinking around who they should be angry at and redirect their anger towards their elected representatives, which is who they really should be angry at for failing – so pathetically to address this issue i think at that moment they feel a sense of relief because they 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 want to redirect they don't yeah like i I, it doesn't feel good to be mad at somebody who's suffering right you know it just doesn't and when you can redirect it at someone whose job it was it is in fact it's their job to address this then i think it that's why people are excited about it it gives you a path which says it's not a choice between accepting the status quo of encampments everywhere and 
you know, not being able to use public spaces. It's not a choice between that or incarceration, that there is a path here where if we can effectively deliver services, if we can create the number of housing units that we need, if we can make the number of shelter beds available, if we can make sure that people are getting access to mental health help and to rehab when they need it, which we can do because we have all the resources to do that. We can solve this problem. Yeah. People want that path. Yeah. You know? At least that's what I that's yeah. what I feel like is exciting about the I don't, you know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't have to no, tell definitely. me because that's what's <laughs> No, I'm definitely. Not, you know. Like you're talking and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> we're doing it. <laughs> it is, I just I, I wonder if people have gotten so cynical because they have seen I, I, I mean, we happen to live in a particular moment where there's a space for real left-leaning action to happen. And I wonder if, like, just, like, from, like, I was born in the Reagan era. Like, from <laughs> Reagan on, it's just been, like, pummeling. It's just this, this pummeling, and then you get this kind of, like, democratic triangulation where you're like, well, they're going to listen to us. And then it's like, oh, no, no, they're just going to listen to us until we have to support the the Democrat, regardless <laughs> of what they believe. Right. Um, because there's no other choice. And I feel like... You and Bernie and a lot of other people, uh, AOC and um, Ilan Omar, represent an actual path towards people who care and will fight for everyone. And changing it, though, because I think it's true that a lot of people, I don't know, because it's so easy, meaning life is hard enough, (laughs) that it's so easy to just be like, all right, my side of the street clean, that's all I got. Yeah. You know, and so when you see people who are like, it's not, you know, like, it is about the community. It is about the greater good and making it also, as you said, like people wanting a path, not just saying that. Cause I think we all know it theoretically, but also saying like, it's doable. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not, you know, it's not this, um, Sisyphean task that will never amount to anything. I think that's the exciting part. You know, even, I feel like even when people like talk about Warren, I feel like people always latch on this idea of a plan for that. Yes. People want to that's, know, yes, no matter what it is like, Oh, this, this is the way it can be done. Because I'm Absolutely. out here in these streets trying to play, pay off credit card debt, and I don't even know what to do about you, right? Like, no, and I'm very, it. I'm very grateful to Warren because I feel like in so many ways she has given people who would never have been as progressive as she is. She's given, she's held their hands to that yeah. moment by yeah. telling, telling them, "I have a plan. Come with me. We can, we can get this. We can get to the world that we deserve, and I'm going to show you exactly how." It to me, it's almost like. I mean, I don't actually often use the words right or left when I'm talking about stuff. I use – I think about it just in terms of just like values and like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's much more about like if we can get to a better place that is defined by compassion, that is, you know, defined by justice, Mm -hmm. um, that is defined by being able to care for the vulnerable – and if you can show people that we can get there, it doesn't matter where they fall on the political spectrum. I feel like they would want that. That's what that's what people want. And all we're doing through this campaign is just giving them a place to put that energy, you know, and hope. Yeah. And it seems to be working so far. I mean, we'll see. I'm running against a very powerful incumbent and I have real hope, but. It's a very powerful political establishment yeah. here. We're going to take another break because we need to just get right and we got to like start the grassroots movement. So I got to do some stretching. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and get into it with Nithya, y'all. Hi, guys. I'm Katie Lowe's, actress, mom, and host of the parenting podcast, Katie's Crib, a show that helps women navigate the big shifts which motherhood can bring. This season, you'll hear from resilient mamas like actress Gabrielle Union, thought leaders like author of the New York Times bestseller Untamed, Glennon Doyle, and experts like prenatal and postpartum clinical psychologist Dr. Alyssa Berlin. We get candid about our experiences and share resources for everything parenting, endometriosis and surrogacy, divorce and blended families, emotionally preparing for postpartum. Katie's Crib is covering it all. For a dose of comfort and community with those who understand the struggles and the joys of raising tiny humans, subscribe now for brand new episodes every other Thursday. Listen to Katie's Crib on the iHeartRadio app or on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, 
And we're back, okay? I now have the body of Serena and Venus Williams from the work I did during the break <laughs> to get buff, get fit, get ready to fight. I'm on board. Huh? I'm on board. Thank you so much. And I have the body of the Reddit guy. What's his name? Alexis Ohanian. Oh, yep, you have the body of the Reddit guy. <laughs> um. Nithya, you know, you're you're running, you're out here in these streets, you're on a podcast tour, you know, this is your life for a little while longer. Can you talk a little bit again, as you know, this podcast is couples therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, you are married. You are a mother, correct? Mm-hmm. I have twins. Okay. Twins! Wow. Four-year-old. Four-year-old. Wow. wow. They need so much. Children. <laughs> wow. The Lord's work. Can you talk to me about how sort of this process has, how have you been able to uh, juggle it all? And I don't mean that like in a, a mom having it all. I mean, literally like the emotional labor Mm. of, you know, you are providing a lot for people right now. You know what I mean? Like you literally are fucking trying to take me to church right now. Yeah. And then you got to go home and you got to feed a child. Yeah. It's interesting being like an, like an avatar for hope in some way. (laughs) Like that's a lot to channel people's emotions you, as this kind of nexus, does that make sense? A nexus yeah. of people's emotions, and you have your own personal life. Right, and like a child's going to climb on you at tonight and be like, wipe my butt. You know what I mean? Like, how do you do it? <laughs> Wait, are four-year-olds potty trained? Um, they're potty trained, but they my they children wipe. don't know how to wipe their own yeah, they butts don't wipe. They, they wipe, don't wipe, but they wipe very ineffectively. Yes. And it's not good. So you're both wiping the city's butt <laughs> and your children's butts. That's my new campaign slogan. <laughs> I wipe their butt and yours. (laughs) Yeah, it's been challenging for sure. It's been really challenging. It's interesting. My husband talks about how it's weird now to be with somebody who is not just his. Mm -hmm. You know, that he has to like share me with other people, (laughs) which is kind of a funny. I never, I was like, well, I'm not really. I mean, let's see what happens. But like, um, yeah, I think it's definitely changed our relationship a lot. Um, couples therapy. Do you ever find that, you know, given <laughs> the like, work... I'm like, what should I... I'm like, no, 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 I know. No, no, trust I'm me. Like, no, no, trust me. We ain't trying to get into marriage. <laughs> no, I understand. No, no, Do you know what I mean? But I am wondering, like, in terms of at the end of a day... Like, okay, I'll say you for example. Like, for me and Andy, right? Like, when I have a job in a writer's room, which involves sitting in a room with people and talking for eight to 12 hours a day, when I come home, I ain't trying to say shit, you know? But on the other hand, Andy might have, depending on his day, where he's like... I want to talk to you and connect, you know? Yeah. Um, but then I kind of want that power down, but I don't want to make him feel bad. It also makes you crazy sometimes. Well, that's different, right? That's <laughs> not the part we're talking about. You know, yes, also makes me crazy. That's a mental issue. Um, but, <laughs> so I, just like being, you know what I mean? Like, do you find yourself at the end of the day being like, mommy's got to go in her bedroom for 30 minutes. I'll holler at you at bedtime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. And it it is... But I think the only thing – that's your guys' life, mm-hmm. and that's, like, that's endless. You know, it, this is your career. This is your career. It This is temporary, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that's the thing that gets us through it. Because, yes, yeah. definitely I come home. I've done, like, three events, four events, and all I want to do is just get in front of the TV and completely shut my brain off. Yeah. And my husband is like, well, I want to talk to you about this article. <laughs> and, like, you know, let's – and so that's been a little bit tough for sure. But we both know that – you know, March 3rd, which is the election day is coming up. And mm-hmm. so it's going to be over. And so I think the fact that it's a temporary part of our life yeah. makes it more possible to get through it. Mm-hmm. Not that we haven't had some, yeah. you know, some real. And then there's also the other issue where, like, he's not with me every day. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm with my campaign team. Yeah. And so there's a weird sense in which we used to be each other's closest, you know, partners, co- companions or whatever. But and we still are, but he doesn't have that sense of insight into the struggles that I'm having on a okay. day-to-day basis. He doesn't live through them with me. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, yeah, it's definitely, an, it's an interesting experience for sure. <laughs> and I'm glad that there's an end date. Yeah. <laughs> what does he do for a living? He's also a writer, actually. Oh. Yeah, he's a, he works in comedy. What? Yes. Wow. How did you meet that one? We've known each other since college. Okay. Uh, a college. Is he a lampoon guy? A lampoon guy? Okay, <laughs> Nithya. <laughs> Well, Nithya, this interview's over. (laughs) I thought you were in the struggle with us. Listen, listen. He's a very – if you met him, you would love him. He's very (laughs) sweet and – He's also, you know, he's Indian like me, Indian origin like okay. me. Yeah, so he's not your typical. Okay, yes, that does change things. It does, that right? Does I think so. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, we have to come in to, uh, you know, we got to join all the clubs. Yeah. To, <laughs> to get access to the 
to the world. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, okay, so two things. One is that – I think there's an analogy here. Me as a writer, Naomi as a more of a performer. Yeah. I mean, you're stand Definitely, mostly. no. Honestly, yes. There's an analogy in the sense of like, of like your public persona. You have a public persona. Both of you have public personas that are very close to who you are as people, mm-hmm. I assume. Yes, of course. Yeah. 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 Um, chain. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to put this together as I'm yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah. What do you but think, there is something think? like when you go from a couple where one person, is, where both of you are not really public personas, to one where the other person is suddenly elevated in some way to to this avatar of whatever. Sure. Yeah. You're an avatar of hope, Naomi. You're an avatar of uh, depression and fun, <laughs> coexisting in one b- body. Honestly, sure yeah. not. Um, I think it it can change the dynamic. I mean, I know that one of the things that we I don't, I don't want to say struggle with work at though mm-hmm. is maintaining whatever that uh, change was or not maintaining. What's the word I'm looking for? Is navigating navigating yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that change as you become more of a public persona. Yeah. But it also has to do with almost like going back to what we were saying in the beginning about not being a sociopath, right? Like, if you have this person who knows the real, yeah, it kind of stops you from getting too crazy. You can't really, uh, yes. you can't really get high in your own supply when somebody's like, "Bitch, I seen you wearing a retainer. Could you stop acting <laughs> like you all that? Don't you? I don't know." Yeah, I think that that's right. And and for I mean, for you, I think you've been doing this for longer than you know. I've only been running since August, but you've been a public figure for longer. And it's like a day longer, don't worry about it. Well, but you know, so I think, and I think for you, as you get more and more, become more and more of a public persona, like I think that's definitely. I'm, I'm interested to see how you guys navigate that because it is, cha- you know, it is yeah. definitely challenging. Yeah, I think yes, there's a lot of overlap between politicians and the way that they deal with the world and with people in entertainment and performers in particular yeah. how they deal with the world, and you see why it attracts a certain. <laughs> type of person and then when you meet someone who's not that yeah you know it's like so wonderful to see someone who's really genuine who's also a performer and you're like oh it's like it's it's the best thing you know well someone really genuine who's a politician i mean but you're also saying too like this wasn't you know you didn't come out the womb being like i would be in charge and isn't that so it's like so tricky because on one hand because i always feel like like, people who want the power are the last people who should Mm. get it you know because it's Mm. like i'm scared of you but then at the same time you do have to have some you know, desire to lead, to really like get out here, you know, and put your money where your mouth is and like do the things you say you're going to do. How long did you spend kind of thinking about the decision to run? I feel like I maybe asked that a little earlier, but I'm just so curious because it is a big change and you're saying, you know, you are more of a private person. Now Mabel's up in here trying to get pet by Nithya. She wants some attention. She's like, I used to be homeless too. She did, you know, she has a home now. But um, was it a real – I can imagine, like, if you're someone who doesn't – who's not used to people looking at it and suddenly being like, okay, I'm about to get out there. Yeah, I mean, I was terrified. In fact, for the first two months of the campaign, I was really terrified. So we did this launch video, and the launch video was shared a bunch on, you know, social media, and it, it ended up getting watched, like, over a quarter of a million times. Mm-hmm. And that – you know, that was the first thing that we did. And then I would go out and talk to people and I would have to be in front of people. And every single time I would put myself in front of a room, I would be sweating. I wouldn't sleep the night before. You know, it mm-hmm. was yeah, really yeah, yeah. terrifying. Now, it, you know, now I do like six events a week. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like I'm running from one to the other. Yeah, I don't. What's that moment like when I decided to do it? I don't. Like, first of all, let's put this into context. It's city council, you know, and I think it's so important that there's good people in there and L.A. City Council is so powerful. But, like, we should be in a place where people running for city council shouldn't have to be this out there, shouldn't have to, mm-hmm. you know, like our city council should be smaller it, or our, our district should be yeah, smaller. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't have to be like this. Yeah. You know, and that's a fault of our political system. But I think the bigger thing that, like, gets me through it is really just thinking about the fact that if I wasn't in this race, how disappointed I would be. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because yeah. I would be voting in this yeah. race, yeah. right? Yeah. And, you know, even across the city, like, I don't see a lot of people talking about things the way that our campaign is talking about them. I don't see a lot of people, you know, sharing the message that we're sharing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that not just that we're able to do that, but that it has such – meaning for people Mm -hmm. like that's 
that's what I have to, you know, so like I do feel uncomfortable about it for sure. And I definitely, yeah, it's it's like <laughs> I'm, it's, it's public. Like if whatever, it's anything that happens, it's like a public, it's public good, but also like public humiliation potentially, you know? <laughs> so it's like, it's so public. Yeah. But I still have to say that the fact that we, that I'm the vessel for this bigger message, mm-hmm. that clearly it was there. Yeah. People mm-hmm. wanted this. Mm-hmm. And the and the fact that I'm uh, we were able to come in and kind of be the space for that like mm-hmm. that is really the way in which I feel like, and that's what helped me make the decision because I looked around at this race and all the other races that were happening across the city and I didn't see someone who was talking about LA in the way that I was talking about it, mm-hmm. and I felt like that story needed to be told, you know. Yeah. So I love it. I love it. You faced the fear. You were like, I'm scared, but I'm going to do it anyway, which oh, is kind of so the point scared. of every, you know, so of anything we do, I guess. It's like, even if you're scared, you got to fucking do it anyway. Yeah. Like it, my ballot came. I haven't even opened it up to look at it because I'm scared. You know, it's yeah. just like to hold it in my hand. I think yeah. my heart would pop out of my chest. <laughs> it won't. It won't. You're going to live forever and you're going to win and it's going to be so, so great. Don't you think, Andy? It, this is, yes. I mean, I just feel like this is a, we're in this world historical moment where there are people that are actually embodying goodness in the world in a way that I haven't seen in my lifetime. In the in my lifetime, I you know, I grew up in this era that was just like this Ayn Randian hellscape of <laughs> like the me generation yep. of this kind of just like, you know, I mean, that's embodied in the person I don't want to talk about now who is the president of the United States, who is this like literally I am the I am this um this soul sucking power. I am this alien from the movie <laughs> Alien, Xenomorph, yep, I believe. Yep, that correct. is just like <laughs> infesting and and destroying the what is good in the world. And I think there is we're in a moment where I actually see people standing up for something real and in a way that can actually be accomplished. That's not impotent. That's not that's not also just to like get a book deal or not just you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, there yeah, are yeah. Plenty that's of, not performative. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's actionable. That's actionable. That people are taking uh, at the action, like like you said, have plans and say, no, this is what we can do. And here's how we're going to accomplish this. And we are going to make the world better as opposed to let it rot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which so I just so many people around me, I just see them just yeah. being like, you know what? I have mine and I'm okay with just letting it rot. Yeah. And there are people like you who are saying, no, we are going to. Uh, I'm not going to let the planet I, yes, just melt. I'm, I'm, I'm not just going to gonna let really it all melt. Just, I'm, I'm going with this rotting metaphor. Okay, I'm like, put the world in a refrigerator. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I really lost the thread, but <laughs> know where I was headed. So. Well, yeah. And I think like Bernie really opened up that political space for us, you know, in so many ways, just from his last election where he lost, but he transformed the country. Yeah. You know, he made it possible for so many people who felt motivated by those same ideals to come out and to be courageous and to step up. Yeah. And they've changed our imagination of what's possible in America. Yeah. It's amazing. It's just like- If you want to view paradise, simply- No? Okay. I was going to do some Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the hope at the end. (laughs) Okay, you you guys just didn't get it. I told you the other day I have not seen that since I was a child. (sighs) I love Willy Wonka, but that's another issue. It's a good movie. Thank you so much for your support. It's a really good movie. Thank you for your support. You have my vote. Officially now. This is what it took. That's what swayed you. That's One swayed podcast at a time. <laughs> I will get everyone's vote. <laughs> Nithya, thank you so much for talking to us. Yeah, thank thank you, you for having me. This was such a pleasure. This was so fun. I wish I had my husband on. We'll get him back. We'll yeah. get him back. Now we know he's a lampoon guy. We have a lot to unpack <laughs> about the dynamic at home. <laughs> All right, you guys. We will see you next week. And if you are in LA, you better hit them polls March 3rd, baby. Or don't. Hey, if you don't, donate. Donate. Ain't that the truth? Nithya for the city. Nithyafforthecity.com. Bye. Young world, the world is yours. It is I, OCT, the producer of the Baller Alert Show podcast, featuring none other than myself and the kid Ferrari Simmons with your favorite Ethiopian Sue Solo. <laughs> 
show podcast is here for you, keeping you in the know with the latest of your favorite celebrities, current events, and providing free games to the listeners in need. So join the talk of the town because it's going down. It's the Baller Alert Show podcast, baby. Don't, don't you ever forget. We not only cover the latest in entertainment, but we bringing you the entertainment directly from the source. That's right. We have celebrity guest hosts, exclusive interviews, and it all goes down on the Baller Alert Show podcast. We are your number one source for the culture. So like DJ Khaled says, don't ever play yourself. Join the conversation today. Head on over to the Ball Alert Show and join me, Ferrari Simmons. Join me, Sue Solo. And it's all produced by me, OCT, on the Ball Alert Show podcast. Available on iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Tom Colicchio. I'm a chef, a restaurateur, food advocate, and the host of the new podcast called Citizen Chef on iHeartRadio. People might turn on the news and see the stories about the pandemic, immigration policy, or healthcare. I see stories about food. On this podcast, we'll tour the current political climate, looking for inroads to food wherever we can find them. From the supply chain, and we hear that Tyson might be closing another plant Monday in Tennessee for to labor. It's an executive order on immigration. We want Americans to have the jobs. We want Americans to have the health care. We want to take care of our citizens first. And disaster relief. Our systems cannot handle true disaster, this pandemic. That is the reality. These are the stories of our food. Episode one of Citizen Chef is available now. Subscribe and listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.